So we're going to continue with our cultivation of the heart this evening. With some more loving kindness practice, and particularly uh, emphasizing a little more the, the <coughs> extending our hearts to people that in, we find to be strangers or neutral. Uh, also to people that we find difficult. <coughs> the enemy, as it's called. <laughs> so, you don't need to choose your number one enemy. <laughs> you can start with someone milder than that. You choose who you like. You know. I find this, this phase of the practice very instructive to see how to stay open with people that we're in conflict with or there's some kind of antagonism or disease in the relationship or breakdown in communication or outright opposition and So it's the last thing we tend to think of doing is holding them in our hearts with kindness. We tend to contract and kick them out, put up the walls, you know. Not the only ones who want to build walls. (laughs) It's a whole other story. (laughs) We build walls in our own heart, right? We think of the people that you may have shut out of your heart different ways or shit out of your life. There's a great line from Neem Karoli Baba who uh, says, no matter how much you dislike or despise or hate somebody, never let them out of your heart. And <clears throat> as I think I might have mentioned yesterday that these practices are wisdom practices in that when we close our heart, we suffer. And since we're on a path of learning to awaken and open to free ourselves from restriction, reactivity, and pain, then the meta practice is one of those mm-hmm. ways that we work with the tightening of the heart. The person that we're <clears throat> angry with or ranting about in our minds and arguing with and proving to them that they're wrong, they're just happily going about their life and we're the ones who are caught up. So, there's something very interesting about how doing meta practice changes the relationship without the other person knowing. You can work on a relationship without the other person. As we work on our own heart and our own relationship to them, we change the relationship. And and teach this a lot to people who are in conflict and often familial relation, close friends and family and and the colleagues and and it's amazing how going into preparing to say go into a meeting with someone that you're in conflict with and holding them in a heartful space rather than a 
reactive space really changes the, the whole dynamic. The person often can perceive a difference in the way you're coming at it, which might be a little less hostile or blamey, and sometimes leaves room for some openness. And there's a story that this yogi told me. She was at Spirit Rock, and um, she'd been doing a meta retreat, and she lives in this neighborhood, in this apartment, no, 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 apartment, in this neighborhood, and one of her neighbors is, is, is like the scourge of the neighborhood. He's difficult, he's grumpy, he's angry and loud and judgmental and reactive, and he's often in his yard and making trouble for people. And, and so, and she has a lot of trouble with this neighbor and always gets contracted every time she sees him walking by his house and so she does um, a lot of meta practice for him as, as her difficult person on the retreat. And then she's going home. <clears throat> Somebody was asking about going home. And so she's walking back, and he's in his yard, and she has to walk past his yard to get to her house. And so she's like, oh, no. <laughs> Here's my test. <laughs> <laughs> and so she walks past the house, and he walks down to, the, to meet her on the path. And uh, he says, you know... I know I've been a really difficult person, but I just want to say, you know, I'm hoping to um, change and uh, not be such a such a such a nuisance, something like that. And she was like, "Wow, it really works." <laughs> I'm not sure it's stuck, but <laughs> and we don't do it to change the other person. You know, we don't. We're doing it to transform our own heart, our own constriction and reactivity. <clears throat> and our own to release the pain that we're carrying and forgiveness which is a, a practice that's also taught in, in tandem with loving kindness practice is also I think an important part of us releasing the, the knot that we carry the wound, the hurt the what was said and done <clears throat> and Part, often part of that releasing requires some forgiveness for those involved. <clears throat> Not condoning negative action, but, but releasing yourself from the burden of holding on to a grudge uh, that's causing you suffering. So, um, in relationship to extending kindness to the Stranger, this is a poem from Naomi Shihab Nye, great Palestinian poet. She writes, The Arabs used to say, when a stranger appears at your door, feed him for three days before asking who he is, where he's come from, and where he's headed. That way he'll have enough strength to answer, or by then you'll be such good friends you don't care. Let's go back to that. Rice, pine nuts? Here, take the red brocade pillow. My child will serve water to your horse. No, I was not busy when you came. I was not preparing to be busy. That's the armor everyone puts on to pretend they had a purpose in the world. I refuse to be claimed. Your plate is waiting. We will snip fresh mint into your tea. So, this poem is really a lovely example of that. 
open-heartedness. And it's a lovely thing to practice with strangers. This practice is encouraging us to extend our usual reach of warmth to beyond our familiar friends and family, to strangers, people in the bank, in the post office, in the store, and the shuttle driver, and the airport check-in person, and whoever that might be. And reflecting on extending meta for the difficult person, difficult people, or persons we're finding difficult is more accurate. So a few things I, I help find helpful is one is um, my, my viewpoint is only my viewpoint. My relationship is only how I perceive them is, is through the history of my subjective experience, not necessarily objectively who they are and how they are. So I tried to think of this person's mother who probably is fond of them <laughs> or their dog <laughs> loves them unconditionally <laughs> or other people who appreciate their gifts that I can't see. That, see. What, what meta does with the difficult person it takes us out of our subjective perception and reactivity. We get stuck in that position, opposition, polarity, and, 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 and the meta practice is asking us to, to step out of that for a moment, say, that might be true, and can I still see this person's humanity and wish them well, wish them happiness? Because the heart actually is, is unconditional. The mind, is this wonderful line, I don't know who said it, the mind creates the abyss, the heart crosses over it. The mind creates the abyss with our thoughts, with our memories, with our judgments, with our reactions, with our stories. And the heart connects in its potentiality. And the the meta practice is pointing to our potential. There's there's a teaching in in the texts, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's called the simile of the soul, and the, and the Buddha is talking about how one should practice loving kindness, or cultivating boundless love. And he says, even if a group of bandits attack you and are soaring you limb from limb, you should still be able to extend loving kindness to them. <laughs> That's a little bit of a high bar. <laughs> I think we could cut ourselves some slack if that was happening. <laughs> this is bad, you know, and this, you know, as, as, as humanity is full of stories of outright violence and horror, it's also full of beautiful capacity of the heart to grow and forgive. This is some words from Dr. King, who wrote, So in many instances we have been able to stand before the most violent opponents and say in substance we will meet your capacity to inflict suffering by our capacity to endure suffering. We will meet your physical force with soul force. Do to us what you will, and we will still love you. Throw us in jail, we will still love you. Threaten our children, bomb our homes and our churches. And as difficult as it is, we will still love you. 
Send your hooded perpetrators of violence into our communities at the midnight hours and drag us out on some wayside road and beat us and leave us half dead and as difficult as that is, we will still love you. That's a tremendous capacity of heart, almost similar to what the Buddha was encouraging. So it's possible. So let's do some practice together. Apparently, we've been <laughs> upstaged yet again by nature. <laughs> Single or double? Single. I can see it. See, start doing loving kindness practice, and the rainbow's going to be pretty powerful already. <laughs> Finding a comfortable seat, however you can be comfortable, at ease. And I'm going to shift the order a little bit. You know, the the nice thing about the meta practice is one can be creative, so whatever works. So I'm going to invite you to start um, with paying, um, calling to mind uh, the person that's easiest for you to feel warmth and loving kindness for. That might be your dog, might be your child, might be a teacher, might be someone you don't even know, but someone like the Dalai Lama or someone an inspiring figure that just moves you to feel love. And holding this person in your heart. Feeling into them, their goodness. of kindness, friendliness. May you be safe. May your heart be filled with loving kindness. May you be healthy. May you be happy. with ease. So it's 
staying fully connected to this person as you genuinely <clears throat> wish them these phrases of kindness <clears throat> in your own time, in your own words. Attention wonders, bring back, sense your heart, sense this person, offering phrases, friendliness. Now calling to mind a good friend. Someone with whom there's an ease of connection with.
much as you can, sensing them, visualizing them. as I wish to be safe, may you too feel safe. May you be healthy and strong. May you be happy. And live with ease. Careful not to get lost in thinking about them, and simply extending his wishes slowly, genuinely. Watchful of going on autopilot, really connecting with the person and with the meaning of each phrase.
extending that same loving kindness to yourself. taking a moment to connect with your own goodness, good qualities, something you can appreciate about yourself. safe. May I be healthy. May I feel happy. May I live with ease. and accept myself just as I am. And if offering those phrases to yourself genuinely is difficult, you can play a little in the beginning with imagine these, this loved one, this good friend offering those phrases to you. You can probably imagine them genuinely wishing those things for you, to be healthy, to be happy, to be safe. So you can explore that if that helps, to receive the phrases from, as it were, outside. Just simply offering the phrases to yourself, to your body, to yourself as a young one. If it helps, you can put your hand on your heart. Sometimes help tune this in to ourselves, holding ourselves with a heartfulness.
Now calling to mind stranger, neutral person, perhaps somebody here in the retreat, somebody you see regularly in your life that you don't have a strong feeling for or against. neighbor, colleague, yogi, and taking some moments, even though you don't know this person, sensing into their wish to be happy. Person's just like me in so many ways. Offering offering them your wishes, just as I wish to be safe, may you too feel safe. healthy, be happy, peaceful, may you live with ease, making a little effort to connect with the sense, image of this person, to offer them friendliness,
Now calling to mind difficult person, someone you're in, in struggle, conflict with, someone who triggers anxiety or fear for you, some hurt. Remembering this person like you wants to be happy, wants to feel safe. Remembering that just as we can cause conflict and suffering usually coming out of our own pain and ignorance, this person may be difficult because of their own painful conditioning. Remembering that other people may like this person, may love this person, see them in a very different light to you. And so for the moment we try to put aside our reactivity and just connect with their humanity and their wish to be happy. Just as I wish to be safe, may you too feel safe. May you be healthy. May you feel happy. May you live with ease. Letting go of any stories, narratives about this person or the history. Simply coming back to saying these phrases as genuinely as you can. And if, for whatever reason, you get triggered, unless it's too much strong emotion, it's hard to be with, you can let go of 
the difficult person, come back to yourself, extending the loving kindness to yourself. It's a way to reground. choose someone who's a little less difficult. Sometimes when we're doing metta, other people crowd into the space, as it were. And maybe another difficult person arises. And we also extend these phrases, these wishes to them. Imagining all these people together, the friend, the loved one, the neutral person, the difficult person, yourself. See if you can extend this warmth equally to all. here on the retreat, everybody here on the land, yogis, cooks, staff, may we all be safe and healthy and live with happiness and ease. beings of this land, the beavers, the muskrats, bears, snakes, mosquitoes. May your life here be safe and healthy. Extending in ever-widening circles this force of kindness to 
those you know, those you don't know, those near, those far. To all living beings, all humans, all children, all elders, all those who are sick, those who are dying, all those who are to be born. All creatures, the land, the sea, and the air, and the ground. Whatever way you can imagine your heart extending this force of kindness, friendliness. everywhere be safe with health with happiness with peace hard sometimes when it feels like your knees are going to fall off and you're trying to wish loving kindness to somebody. <laughs> it gets a little challenging. And your body is aching and painful. That's why it's good to find a comfortable posture, although sometimes that's not available. <laughs> Questions about the loving kindness practice, particularly? I have a question. Um, is there like a, is there a relationship between um, like I don't know how much the much about how loving kindness came about or the origins of it, and so I'm wondering if there's a relationship between um, our, our our emotional states or the 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 um, positive, negative, and neutral you know range that we run through all the time, and the practice of that with the individual people. 
Is there a relationship? Yeah. I mean, kind of. I mean, so the question's about whether the relationship between, say, loving kindness and different kinds of people that we're wishing for and the experience of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Um, I mean, in a way, you could say that we're extending method to pleasant and unpleasant and neutral people. <laughs> you know, right. in yeah. a way, you know, you know, loved ones and friends are pleasant, and uh, maybe strangers and difficult people are unpleasant, and well, maybe strangers are neutral. Yeah, yeah, and, and life is full of all three, right? And. Yeah, interesting to, you know, I, I, tend to, I tend to work with pleasant, unpleasant, neutral in my inner experience, and of course the outer experience too, but I, I ne- don't usually apply it to people, but it's just as applicable. We find certain people pleasant, certain people unpleasant, certain people neutral. And the invitation is, can we be open-hearted with, with them all? Mm-hmm. And the more that we and not caught in our reactivity to the pleasant or the unpleasant, then we're more likely to find some stability. Usually we just get lost in our, re- on our in the unpleasant feeling, the reactivity to it, we start judging, and matter is a million miles away. Yeah. So. You know, the, I mean, the origin of the, the practice came from the... the you know the the few places that the Buddha I don't know about few but the, the places that the Buddha talked about extending cultivating a boundless heart cherishing all beings with a loving heart um, but didn't he, there was no instruction about how to do that in, in a certain way there was just one pervades all living beings all quarters all directions with loving kindness which is easier said than done and so this particular style of practice comes from the Vasudhimaga, which is a, I don't know, 5th, 6th century text, commentarial text, and a collation of various teachings from the texts, and sometimes more systematized structure of how to do certain practices. So the meta, this style of meta practice comes from that. But it seems to be fairly effective in my book. But there are many other ways to do it. You know, Aya Kema is a wonderful German nun, and she had different ways of doing metta practice. One of them was um, a lake meditation, where you where you have this big metta lake, like vast, like you know, lake. I don't know one of those big lakes near Michigan, in Lake Michigan. Is that amazing? Is that lake? Is that lake? Okay, so like a you know bass lake, and then you, and it's filled with it's filled with love, and then you go swimming in it, and you kind of saturated in meta, and you're drinking meta, and then you invite your friends and your loved ones and your family, and then you invite your neighbors and your colleagues, and then you invite mutual people, and you invite all your enemies, and then you invite the whole world, and it's a big love fest in the, in the lake. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Not that kind of love fest. I mean, just, you know, just bathing in kindness and all that. So, um, anyhow, so there's different ways to play with metta, you know, uh, and be creative with it.
questions about the the matter? Yes. Um, I was just reading about the Visuddhimagga and um, the path of purification yeah. and the purposes, I think, for eliminating distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've never had this response to the meta practice, which I've done for years and years, but it just struck me as sort of a and this is not, this is a little bit negative, sorry. Um, it just reminds me of, like, wishful thinking, of the days of, my early days of Christianity and prayer, of, may, you know, like, it, I think the intention that's in our hearts, to open our hearts, but there's so much of it that sounds like we're asking for something that's not going to happen. You know, we all know that, you know, there's been death in the Sangha and that no that everyone's not gonna be safe. You know, that's the first noble truth, there's suffering. So I'm I just there's there's a discordance that I'm feeling in this the truth of suffering and that we're not gonna all be safe and happy and healthy and, and live at ease. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm this one feeling in mm-hmm. my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So to take that example of um, you know Seth's situation where his father's dying, right? even though his father's dying, we want his father to be happy. We want his father to be safe. We want his father to be as healthy as he can be, given that he's dying. Right? So, regardless of the data the heart wishes well, right? We know that we're going to experience sickness, aging, <coughs> loss, death, right? And we still wish people to be well in that, even more so, actually, because we know how frag- fragile and vulnerable and difficult life is. So... Um, the you know the mind creates the abyss the heart crosses it the mind creates problems the mind creates separation the mind creates mm, logical reasons why this isn't practical or possible or whatever and the heart wishes well that's 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 the movement of the heart it's not necessarily logical or rational in the sense that we know people are going to end you know it's, it's a one way street to death Right? And we still want life to be well in that. Right? So the when I example of this is um, I was teaching a meta retreat with Sharon at IMS on the East Coast. IMS is Insight Meditation Society, um, and um, this woman asked a similar question. She said, "How can we l- wish all life to be well and safe when?" half of life is eating the other half to be well, right? It's true, right? We live in, you know, just look at the, you know, the marine life. I mean, everything's eating everything else, and same as similar to the animal kingdom. And I said, yes, and we still wish for life to be well, because, you know, even the chickens in a factory farm, we wish them to be well, even though it's completely utterly inhumane and wretched. 
but the heart wants life to be as well as it can be given the circumstances. That's really the full phrase you could say, you know. Can you be as healthy as you can be given you might have chronic disease, chronic illness, terminal illness? Um, so anyhow, so this woman's exploring this theme and she goes, she takes a walk up a country lane. It's winter and she's walking up this country lane and all of a sudden she sees this shower of uh, feathers coming from the tree, from the bare tree. And she looks up, and a hawk is eating a chickadee, a little small bird. And she gets that her heart wants both to be well. She wants the hawk to be well, to eat, and she wants the chickadee to be safe, even though it's been killed. And the heart can still... The heart crosses duality in that way. So... You know, and of course we have our preferences and, and, and you know of, of the heart. And, um, but if we want the the hawk to be well, then it's going to kill mice and birds, and that's part of life. So, and the difference between that and prayer is there's no third party intermediary. We're not asking of another source. We're just saying, I like you to be happy. I would like you to be well. And I imagine anybody you meet, you would have that basic wish. It's a little, most people, um, it's a little, it can feel a little abstract in, 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 in the meditation. But you know, when you look around, you we want these people to be well and safe, even though who knows what situations they're in. So that's the underlying principle. I used to be a hospice chaplain, and so I uh, worked routinely you know, with people who were in very sick conditions, and um, in some cases it was appropriate to met phrases with them, others not so much, but um, just to uh, avoid confusion with them because they didn't need a philosophical discussion about anything at that point. I, I would just substitute may you be free from the causes and conditions of suffering for may you be healthy. And I think um, people, the people I work with would, would understand that if they asked about it. You know, I could say, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's pain that you're experiencing and there's suffering that you can add to that. And sometimes, you know, like in those situations when when you're wishing for someone you know who you know is really suffering or is pain or dying, then the the, the compassion practice, which is similar, it's a similar practice in different ways, um, the compassion phrases may feel more appropriate, which is may you be free of suffering. May you hold your suffering with ease. So you adapt the phrases to the condition of the person to some extent. That seems more usable for me, Mm -hmm. um, at least at this point in life. Yeah. Because the other seems like, you know, maybe 
may you be safe, may you be healthy, may you be happy, but I know you won't. Well, you don't know that. Well, every, yeah, everyone's going to not be healthy. So everyone's going to At die. some point. So, so but the other, the other thing about metta, in, in the way that I've been trained in, it's you're wishing it for the present moment. May you be happy in this moment. May you be safe in this moment. Not, may you be safe forever, because it's not possible. So again, it, it, it's a very simple wish in that way. But, you know, use the, use the more compassion-oriented phrases if that feels more suitable. And when we say happiness, just as Bill was referring to, we're really speaking to may you, may you know the cause of, may you, may you know the causes of happiness. It's not like may you be happy, happy, you know, you know, which is fine, but it, in fleeting, may you know the causes of happiness, so there's some stability in your well-being. Like that's that's the wish. It's just a short hand. <laughs> Any other questions about practice today, being here, practicing outdoors? Yes? So I was wondering if you could say more about this idea of cultivating relationship with nature. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.